Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Look with me quickly to the book of Jeremiah. Will you give me about will you give me about 25 minutes to preach to you a message that can change your life? Here I go. Verse 2 of, of Jeremiah, the Old Testament, verse two, chapter 36, verse 2. Chapter 36, verse 2. Take a scroll and a book and write in it all the words I have spoken unto you. And then for the sake of time, verse 22. Now the king was sitting in his winter house the ninth month, and a fire was burning in the fireplace, and it happened that Jehida read three or four chapters of Jeremiah's message and the king cut it with the scribe's knife that some translations call the pen knife the king cut it out and threw it into the fire I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this subject you're not in your final chapter this is not your final chapter God is still writing your story. I don't care how great your story has been. He's the God that exceeds anything He's done in your past. He says, I don't ever want you to live in the history of what I've done. I want you to keep writing another chapter. The story is still being written. And it's possible to become perusers of history when God wants us to begin to make history. It's possible for us to talk about what God has done and begin to neglect what He is going to do and is doing even while I speak. In the Bible, there's a group of people that I'm going to center on this morning called the scribes. Scribes were people who took a pen and a piece of paper and they wrote what the king said what the prophet said, and they recorded history. They were writers. They were people gifted with writing. It was a whole tribe that was connected to the pen. This is so clear in, in the scriptures. Ezra was, for example, a scribe. The job definition of a scribe was to take a piece of pen, a, a paper and a pen or scroll and as the king would dictate things or conversations would go on in the throne room, that scribe was sitting there writing every word and making an official, an official document of everything that was being said. Scribes had access to go where other people could not go. They could go into the throne room of a mighty king and they were there for one purpose they had access to write down and record record history so powerful were scribes that many times the kings when they were when they were sleepless in the old testament you'll read for example in daniel chapter 6 how that the king the bible said could not sleep he couldn't sleep i believe it was god disturbing him and you remember that's when there was going to be an annihilation of the Jewish people by Haman, an evil, wicked man. And that night before it was to happen, or a few days before it was to happen, the scripture said the king couldn't sleep, so he called for the scribes to bring the old books, the old record books, and just begin to read some of the things that had happened in days past. 
And I guess it was so boring that he knew that would put him to sleep. They didn't have Ambien back then. And so, and so he knew, he knew that if he'll just read, I'll get sleepy. And it just so happened that the guy who was reading opened up to the page that said, there was a certain day and a man named Mordecai, who was a Jew, heard of an assassination attempt on the king. And he told the palace guards and the king's life was spared because of Mordecai the Jew. And instantly the king was so awakened and disturbed that he said, has anything ever been done good for this man? And they said, nothing, sir. As a matter of fact, uh, he, he's in trouble. And he said, I want to do something to honor this man. I don't have time to tell you the rest of the story, but it happened because someone recorded it. I want you to understand that the king the king would say it, but it was the scribe who recorded it and reminded the king of his obligations. Really brings a good point right here. Take good notes when the king speaks to you. When the king of kings talks to you, whether it's through a preacher, whether it's through prophecy, whether it's through a church service, whether there's something that it's like, have you ever had a preacher get up and preach and it's like he had your, your house bugged? And he had been leaning in and listening to everything going on. That's God speaking to you. That's not an accident. And when God gives you profound things that blow your mind, write them down. Take good notes when the king talks. Write it down and remind the king of what he said. So powerful were scribes that according to the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 25, when Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel, he commanded that the royal family be, uh, the, that the royal family of the Jews, the king and his family, that they be, that they be uh, arrested and slaughtered. But not only them, not only the generals and the military th leaders of Israel's army, but then he said, and make sure you arrest the principal scribe. I mean, the only thing this guy did was write. His weapon was his pen. And the king himself, mighty Nebuchadnezzar, was afraid of that pen. That what that man would write, his ability to rally the people. What do you mean? Because he had all those records and he could pull out stories from the past history of Israel. And even though they were facing an awful army of Babylonians that were taking over, they had history that if he would pull it out and, and begin to read it to the people, they would say... They would say, if God could do it then, if, if David could defeat Goliath, if Moses could overcome Pharaoh, if the people of God could fight against five different armies in that situation, God can do it again. It pays to take good notes when God is speaking to you. If God's ever done it in the past, He can do it again. He can do it again. If he's ever healed cancer, he can do it again. If he's ever brought revival to a nation, he can do it again. We don't just recite history, we write history when we begin to believe Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem is, Jeremiah was told when they were being scattered in ruin, remember what God has done in your past. Because to you, it's a story, but to them, it was a miracle. And God wants us to realize that when we read these stories in the Bible, it's a story to us, but to those people, it was a miracle. And don't just recite 
what he's done, but believe that he will do it again. We need a pen in our hand again in the body of Christ. We need to quit living in the revivals of yesterday and the moves of God of last generations and the good old days when God did signs and wonders. God is saying, I want to raise up a people who have a pen in their hand ready to write brand new things that I'm doing in the earth that will cause the minds of people to wonder at the greatness of our God. I'm going to let you write your own story, Jeremiah. He, he reminded him of how he brought Egypt out from Pharaoh, but he said, I'm going to let you write the story and there will be a remnant that will come from the north, south, east, and west. Don't just be happy with what God's done. We are to just realize we are just getting started. When I'm fighting hell, I don't need to just read a story in the Bible and say that was great and not believe this book. The only reason it's there, it's written to, to spawn faith in our spirit that He can do it again. Give me a pen. Change the period to a comma. God is not finished. He's going to write another chapter in your family, in your situation. And when you read these stories and all the odds were against them, you know what? God would give a new word and they would write another chapter and He's still writing chapters in our lives if we'd stop putting periods where God's putting commas. What happened to Israel, when you read about the scribes in the New Testament, is they became better at reading than they were writing. They were reciting history instead of making history. They were focused more on where God had been than where He was and where He was going. And scribes in the New Testament were not popular with Jesus. Jesus was rarely rude to people, but if you want to see Jesus upset, every time He got around scribes, he was saying, woe unto you, scribes. That, that's a biblical cussing. Woe unto you, curse unto you. Woe means curse. I'm, I didn't say cussing, I said cursing. But he was saying, woe unto you. Why? Because you live in the past and I am, I am the Word in flesh. You live in the Old Testament where I'm here and I'm the same and I can do it again if you take your pen out. If God did it for me, He can do it for you. Sometimes when I, uh, almost every week of my life, I have young pastors calling me and I'm talking with them all the time, texting them all the time. And th th It's easy to hear about some other pastor who God... But the point of the story is for you to not just hear the story, but God can do it for you. It's, it's time for you to believe that God can do something miraculous for you. Get the pen. What's amazing about this story is if you go to Judges chapter 5, the Bible said that Deborah arose and she led the children of Israel to fight. In Judges chapter 5, a woman when there was no man that would fight, a woman did it. And she brought a great victory. As a matter of fact, Sisera, the king, went into a woman. He was running from Deborah and her army. And the army was, was, was the tribe of Zebulun. 
And God noticed that Zebulun, in the greatest crisis of the nation that they had ever had, it was a tribe called Zebulun that had courage and fearlessness and were willing to follow a woman into battle. And King Sisera, his army got beat on the battlefield. He ran for his life, went into a tent, and a housewife said, would you like to take a nap? And would you like a little milk and something to eat? And, and he did, and he fell asleep. And that little sweet housewife took a tent peg and a hammer and a bowl of milk and killed the most... I won't tell you where, where it went, but... She made an impression on him that day and nailed him to the ground. And God made a note of it. It's an interesting scripture in Judges chapter 5 in verse 24 and said, Out of Zebulun, because you were so courageous and fearless, out of Zebulun, they that handle the pen of the writer will come. That's a prophecy. Zebulun was the northern region of Israel. It's where that tribe lived and camped on the, on the Sea of Galilee. We would call it the Lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. It's the northern part. It's the area of Capernaum. If you go to Israel today, it's where Jesus' headquarters were. It's where he performed more miracles in that region of the earth. That It's where he did all kinds of major miracles in the northern part of Israel more than anywhere else. And God said there's going to come a day when out of the tribe of Zebulun, they're going to need some writers again. Because they're not just going to read Old Testament stories of what God used to do for Israel. But they're going to need writers because they're going to have to write new chapters of Jesus Christ and His miracles and His signs and His wonders. Out of you will come those who know how to handle the pen. They believe that God can add to what he's done in their life. They don't just live in the history, but they believe he's writing a new chapter and their weapon will be their pen. It's amazing that in 1 Chronicles 12, we read that Issachar and Zebulun were paired together. They camped together. They lived together for 40 years in the wilderness. Issachar, the Bible said, was the tribe that, that were the people who knew uh, what God was doing and what Israel ought to know. And then you got the people of the pen who are, who are, who are hearing it. I'm saying it because I want to hurry up and get to where I'm trying to go. The people became a place. And the place became that area around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus performed so many miracles. And he said, out of that group will be people who know how to handle the pen and write new stories. The great miracles that Jesus should have been recording and, and they should have been writing, there was a problem. The scribes were so connected to the past and the God of the Old Testament, that when the God of the New Testament, Jesus, showed up, they wanted to live in their history instead of make history. They should have been following Him around with a pen and a paper saying, Oh my God, did you hear that? Did you see that? No, they weren't there. You know who was writing? Let me read to you who was writing. The Bible said people like this in in uh, John chapter 21 and verse 24, these are the disciples, this is the disciple, speaking of John, who testifies of these things. And uh, I'm in John chapter 21 and verse 24, these are the disciples who testify of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. He wrote this stuff. He's following around. And there are many other things that Jesus did 
which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books. Thank you. Could not contain the books that would be written. In other words, we missed a lot of the miracles because the scribes weren't writing it down. They were talking about the God who used to be. They didn't have the pen. It was in this area that after he had fasted for 40 days and faced the devil in the wilderness, Jesus at the end of that fast, a tall, lean Galilean, walked into the synagogue and they handed him that sleepy Old Testament book that they had read a million times and they thought he was going to mumble through some text and they would just begin to get through the service. But this time this guy walks in and he opens the book and they hand it to him by chance to the book of Isaiah. I think it's the 61st chapter. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And when he opens his mouth, suddenly the Bible said, and every eye was fastened on him. Why? Because something's different. The one, the author, is in the house. The one who wrote it is in the house. The one who's, who did it in the Old Testament. The I am of the Old Testament is now standing before them in flesh. And every hair on their arms was standing up. And he stands there and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to, reach, to preach to the poor, to heal broken hearts, to open eyes of the blind, set captives free. And he closed the book. Put that up. And he closed the book and set it down and said this day that is fulfilled this day is a good day this day if you need a healing this is a good day to get a healing that's what Jesus was saying this day if you need deliverance this is fulfilled this is the day quit talking about if I would live back then or back there or how they did it this day. I'm even trying to preach it into your spirit while I'm looking at you. This day, God could set you free. This day, you could get a miracle. This day, God could do signs and wonders in this room. This day, the glory cloud could fill this temple. This day, but the people have got to quit reading an old book. And I don't mean the word of God. I'm talking about reading it with old rusty eyes just seeing it as a story and pull the pen out and say I'm expecting God to do something in my family in my life in my church somebody give the Lord an amen turn to somebody and say we've got the pen the pen was in the house when Jesus showed up, the pen was in the house. And the scribes which followed him around and pointed out how, well, you're breaking the rules, you're breaking the rules. We've never seen it like that before. Be careful, that's fanaticism. Be careful, be careful. The church of the council of whatever we may not approve of. He healed people and they would write things like, we can't believe you did that on the Sabbath. He would read your Bible. People crippled could take up their bed and run through the temple because they were that was on the Sabbath. You know, if they were in the temple, it was on the Sabbath. And, and, and then they're running through the temple, taking their bed on their back, and all they could see, they, they weren't writing it down. This is amazing. They were they were criticizing. And that's the spirit that's got a hold of the church. Every time God tries to do something new, every time God tries to break out of the box, and he's gonna break out of it, and you're either gonna get with it or you're gonna get run over, but there is 
there's a revival coming and we're going to write another chapter. We're not going out like this. We're not going, we're not going to leave here like this. We're going to leave here victorious signs, wonders, miracles, power, deliverance. Oh, an outpouring on our sons and our daughters. Take a praise break and write another chapter. Orange County needs another chapter. We need a move of God in this, in this area like we've never seen before. I'm, all, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Just hold on. Shout on your own time. The pen was in the house. Watch this, watch this. And in that very area, one day the Bible said in John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisees, John chapter 8, the scribes and the Pharisees. When I'm pointing over there, that means I want it on that screen. The, the, there you go. The scribes and the Pharisees. Who did it? Who did it? The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman caught in the very act of adultery and threw, him at Jesus, threw her at Jesus' feet. I tell people all the time, if you ever want to, don't ever, if you want somebody to really get messed up, that's really messed up, don't ever throw them at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> they threw him at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. That Moses and the law said that her story is written. She deserves to die. We've got the rocks. We're passing them out now and we're going to stone her to death. We're the Holy Ghost Taliban and, and we're here because she has committed adultery and the Moses law back in the Old Testament said that her story is written, put a period there. It's over for her. God will never use somebody who's messed up like that. And then they made a terrible mistake. They said, and what do you say? <laughs> Ooh, I feel like preaching. I can't prove it, but I think Jesus was thinking to himself, I've been waiting for that question for 2,000 years. And the Bible said he didn't say a word. Watch what he does. He drops to his knees pulls out the same pen that wrote the law of Moses because it was a finger of fire on Mount Sinai that wrote on the side of the wall the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And now with the same finger, I almost see him do it like, whoop. he starts writing in the sand. He's saying, they, 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 they think your story is over, but he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they, from the oldest to the youngest, dropped their stone and walked away. The oldest because they had a longer list of sins. And they dropped their, they dropped their rocks and they walked away. And Jesus said, woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What he was doing was he saying, I'm writing you out of this mess. I'm writing you out of your shame. I'm writing you out of your past. I'm writing you out of your adultery. I'm writing you out of your pornography. I'm writing you out of your drugs. 
drugs. I'm writing you out of your alcoholism. I'm writing you out of a failure of, uh, of life. I'm writing you out of a fragmented, dysfunctional family. I'm writing you out of poverty. Glory to God. I'm writing you out of hurt and pain and depression and fear and worry and hopelessness and a wasted life. I, they wrote you in, but I'm writing you out. Is anybody glad he can write another chapter? I need you to take a praise break in the overflow. I don't see nobody standing up in the overflow. And give God a praise that he can write another chapter. All right, sit down. I got five minutes and 45 seconds. I've been trying to hurry up and get here. Here's where I wanted to go. Tell somebody beside you, he can write you out of your mess. There's nothing you've done he can't write you out of. Nothing. Nothing. He can write you out of cancer. He can write you out of blood disease. He can write you out of generational curses. He can write you out of witchcraft. He can write you out of demon possession. I feel something stern. He can write you out of an adulterous affair. He can write you out of lies and deception. He can write you out. It can happen this morning. He can mark through the enemy's period and say, no, no, I'm going to write their name in the Lamb's book of life. They're my child and I'm going to favor and bless them and write a new chapter. Ah, quick, quick, quick. That's why I wanted to hurry up and get where I am right now. Jeremiah 36, the reason I read the text, let me tell you what was taking place. Sum it all up in a nutshell. Jeremiah was banned from the temple because he wasn't preaching what all the other preachers were preaching. And they wouldn't let him come preach. And the Bible said that he called, the second verse of Jeremiah 36 said that he called for a scribe to come and write and maybe put that up, Jeremiah 36 and, uh, and verse 2, I believe it is. And he began to write what the Lord told him to do. What the Lord told him to write. And he said, now they won't let me do it, so here's what we're going to do. You take, this you take this scroll and you stand outside the temple gate. And as they're going into the temple, you get on a rock or something and scream as loud as you can what thus saith the Lord. And as the people are going in, they're hearing his sermon. <laughs> And, and when they get inside, it was so powerful that even the false priests were trembling, saying, we can't keep this from the king. We need to take this message. This guy, something's on him, and let's go take it to the king. And the Bible said that the king was at his winter palace. Did you catch that? Sitting by the fire. Sitting by the fire. And they bring in the message from Jeremiah. They got the, 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 the writings of the guy outside from him and took the whole message that Jeremiah had sent to the nation and to the king. And while he's sitting by the fire on his little throne, warming himself, in comes this little group of, 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 of uh, prophets, false prophets, and they said, we just feel like, isn't that amazing? We just feel like what the guy's saying you need to hear. And he starts reading it with them. And the Bible said he pulled out his penknife, the king. And he started cutting out sections he didn't like. He left some 
He liked some of it because if you read it, there's some blessings in there. There's some favor in there. There's some goodness in there. In other words, I just want the ticket to heaven. I don't want the cross. I don't want to give up nothing. I don't want to change my life in any way, shape, or form. I want to party. I want to do whatever I want to do like I want to do it. I want to break every commandment, but just know that I got a ticket to heaven. And and uh, I don't like that part. Cut that out and throw it into the fire. Oh, and I I don't like that. Uh, I don't. I don't like that part. I, I. I. don't. I don't like that part. I don't like that part. Isn't that what we're doing? What's happened to the voices of even the preachers? We're cutting out the message we don't like. If the Bible's against abortion, we should be against abortion, not against the people, not against the women. We should just boldly proclaim the message. That life is precious. That life is from God. If the book is against adultery, we should preach that marriage is between a man and a woman. And we can't cut that part out and go along with the culture. I didn't come to to get your applause today. I don't need it. I have heaven's applause in what I'm preaching. And I'm going to tell you the truth. We're cutting... This book to pieces. We're cutting out signs and wonders. We're cutting out laying hands on the sick. We're cutting out anointing with oil. We're cutting out the baptism in the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues as the Spirit gives the others because we're too sophisticated. Academia is cutting out all kinds of things so that we'll be woke. We're drinking woke cola and the pastors are drinking it too and we're cutting this book to pieces so that we'll fit into a world that is headed for judgment. And we better wake up. I, I know this is Southern California. California, but we better wake up and say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. I want character like Jesus. I want to love my enemies like Jesus. I want to live holy like Jesus. I want to live separated like Jesus. I don't want to cut it out. I don't want to be a cutting edge preacher. Woo. The Bible said in the last days that they would they would bring to themselves teachers that would tickle their ears. You like that, huh? You like that? You don't need that kind of preaching. You need somebody to look at you and tell you, you're going to stand before the throne of God. And if he's given you influence and power and money and everything else, you're going to give an account for it. And you're going to tremble when you stand in His presence. It's a fearful thing that to, to, to serve the God that we serve. I'm not afraid of Him, but I am in awe of Him. And I, am, I, am, uh, I have a reverence for Him. You don't do your own thing and cut out what you want and live what you want. You must, you must be born again. And when you get born again, it's not I can't. I, I can't go there. I can't do I don't want to. I want to be like Jesus. Everybody clap. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I wrote, I wrote this down. I thought it's pretty good. We are, they can come and play the music. It'll make you think that it's almost over. <laughs> this generation needs a pen. And the Bible said when the king cut it out, you know what the scripture said happened? 
that they went back to Jeremiah and told him that he cut half your message out, he took another scroll and wrote it all back in. <laughs> One preacher with a pen can write back in everything that's been cut out. One person with a pen. They say miracles are over, but one person with a pen who believes that God is still God. They say that, that it's impossible, but one person with a pen can write back in what, what generation after generation has cut out. Last point. Some of you, God gave you a word a while ago. And you've gotten discouraged and you've taken your knife. And you started cutting it out and shaping it down and trimming it down. You know what the Lord told you. But as time goes, you, you just start, well, maybe he really didn't say that. and Maybe he really didn't mean that. And I, I guess I miss God. And you, and you cut it down to what you humanly can do. You cut all the supernatural that it'll take out. And it's only what you can afford, what you can do, what you are capable of, what you're talented enough to do. And when you do that, you're cutting out the promise of God. If he told you he was going to save your family, I don't care what they look like right now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Don't cut that out. In the hard times, in the bad times, don't cut it out. Come on, give me a big amen. If he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee and by my stripes you are healed just because you've got a bad doctor's report and a bad x-ray, don't cut it out. He's still the God of miracles. Don't you tell me he can't do it. If he did it then, he can do it now. Woo. You playing yet? Thank you. Last verse. Oh, this is a Grammy Award winning verse. Psalms 45 and verse 1. My heart is full of good stuff. I've been with the king. Watch. And as a result, my tongue, shh, my tongue is the pen. My tongue, what? What's the pen? My tongue is what? The pen. Everybody say it out loud. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Whatever I praise him as. Do you get it? When I begin to call him great and mighty. When I begin to say you're my healer. I love that song, The Blessing. The Blessing. For a thousand generations. In my going, in my coming. When I start singing songs of worship like that, my tongue is my pen of a ready writer. And I'm writing a new chapter. When I begin to sing songs like we filled this room with, you are, your tongue is the pen. Do you get it? Your tongue. Your prayers. God, I thank you. I thank you that through the blood, Derek Prince said something that changed my life. Derek Prince said something that changed my life. Listen carefully, please. Derek Prince said, when the Bible says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, 
He's gone on to be with the Lord. He's a minister that was a profound teacher. And he said his interpretation of that was this. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. He said you overcome when you make the word, what, what the word says the blood does. When you start confessing what the word said, the blood does. The blood protects me and my family. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know what you're doing? You're writing with the tongue, which is the pen of a ready writer. The Word says that the blood makes me righteous and holy. The Word says that the blood delivers me from demons and disease and addiction and power and attacks of the enemy. The Word says I'm an overcomer. The Word says. Start changing how you talk. Let your tongue be the pen of a ready writer. This is not your final chapter. If you're here today and you've messed up, if you confess with your mouth, your tongue becomes the pen that writes your name in the book of life. And you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. But it's up to you to use the pen. Use the pen. Don't ever come to a church service and let the praise and worship team do the praising for you. Use the pen. Call Him great. Call Him mighty. Sing His praise. Shout His praise. Speak His praise. Talk His greatness. Because your tongue is the pen. Are you a scribe? Or are you just going to live in what God's done and whatever happens, happens. Que sarah, sarah. Whatever will be, will be. Are you going to take the pen and begin to write? Another story. I want this church to get this in your heart. That our greatest days are not behind us. But this day we can see God move. Stand to your feet all over this room. No one moving please. i got to obey the Lord. But I hear the Lord saying the pen is in the house. What do you need? What can you dare believe for? What are you facing? I apologize, we've gone over. Normally we don't do this, but we had a special day today. And we're writing a new story. But I know in my heart there are people who are lost. I know in my heart there are people who've cut out so much that there's not much of left in you of the Spirit. And you need, you need God to touch you. There are those of you who are addicted and bound. Those of you who are ashamed. You're, 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 you've got to, you, you need God to write you out of your mess. You're in a mess. You're in a mess emotionally, physically, spiritually. You need God to write you out. He can do it. You say, well, it's too late. Something's happened and I can't ever change it. But that's not a period. That's a comma. God is already writing your next chapter. If He was through with you, you'd be gone too. He's not through with you. Raise your hands toward heaven. And for about 15 seconds, open your mouth and verbalize a praise to God. If you need a healer, call Him your healer. If you need a, 
forgiveness, call Him your forgiver. If you need a miracle in your home, call Him your miracle worker. Just take a moment and open your mouth because your tongue is your pen. And if you, if, if you don't use the pen, I don't care how nice and expensive it is, it does you no good. So use it. Use it for a moment. Say, Lord, I really want, I really want things to change. I want to write a new chapter. I'm tired of reading the old story over and over and over. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's something in your past that just haunts you. And you can't seem to get to the next chapter but God says I'm giving you a pen I'm giving you a pen the pen is in the house his name is Jesus and he can write you out of your mess thank you for listening to this week's podcast to watch our latest message be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC